Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womanhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode, we will be exploring feminisms and international security. This is a special episode in preparation of the upcoming online workshop on feminist approaches to women, peace and security, which is going to be launched on July 14th, the Spanish version, and July 22nd, the English version. You're more than welcome to join these study groups regardless of your age, regardless of the different um, levels of study that you are currently in international relations, in gender studies, or if you're an entrepreneur and wants to learn more about women, peace and security agenda and cultures of violence, patriarchal and capitalist systems and how they are deeply ingrained in human insecurity. I will add on the description box of this episode all the links for you to check out what we are going to be discussing in every one of the four sessions that we are going to host with group participants and it's going to be an incredible opportunity to meet other people that are interested in the same thing as we do, which is basically how to shift um, the international security, how to actually bring a gender lenses to what we perceive to be human and international security. So without further ado, I want to begin this episode exploring where international security is and how this concept is contrasted with human security and what feminist theories and feminist perspectives provide as um, conversations and debates about the specific um, area of the international relations field. When we are approaching international security, it's important to understand that yes, we address the international system survival, but the main actor that needs to survive through these lenses and through the realist theory lenses is the state, the state as primary actor. When we are studying this field, we start understanding what are the different menaces, what are the different threats that nation states and international institutions such as the United Nations are facing in order to continue um, surviving, continue operating. Through realist theory lenses, we can find that the pattern is to ensure the security of the state primarily and most of the times through militaristic means. There are many menaces that are studied through this specific field. It's not only armed conflicts and it's not only military forces or you know military actors fighting with the state or against the state. There are other menaces such as uh, environmental degradation, climate change, um, infectious diseases such as the one that we are currently facing with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, human security, um, problems such as sexual violence, ethnic conflicts, economic downturns, economic crises, and so much more. There are many, many layers that could um, threaten a state's survival or the system survival if we extend it to, to the IR. Right now, global security can be comprised or can be studied in five specific dimensions. There are many more, but these are the five that are 
always time through time the, the main ones. These include national security, transnational security, transcultural security, environmental, and human security. So these five dimensions. There are many more, once again, but these are like the core five. One of the biggest misconceptions, and for some, these are assumptions, so it depends on the lenses which you are looking for. But through feminist lenses, we can find that this is a main criticism. The biggest misconception that we have is that by securing the state, by default, we are securing the people, we are securing its citizens. That's something that with feminist theory applied to IR gets constantly contested because the negative impact that wars and, and all the different threats that are creating conflicts in people's lives, in people's bodies, breaks the myth that the state is the best actor to ensure the security or the adequate security of its citizens. This is something that Jayan Tickner, um, which is a scholar on feminist theory and gender theory in international relations, has very well um, contested and shared. I will list some of the links down below for you to read more about the articles regarding this specific issue. But if we scratch the surface, what can we find in terms of how the international system, the international security conversation or field was constructed. We have already engaged in several episodes on this podcast on feminist theory applied to IR and how it seeks to unveil not only patriarchal mindsets in the concept of the state or also the statesman how it approaches masculinities and how it approaches the process of identifying masculine and feminine cultures, nations, and people, and more, and how it reproduces unequal power relations. When we apply feminist theory to the international security, we can find that not only the nature of states are privileged, through these realist lenses or through these masculine ways of ensuring security, but also the higher degree states secure themselves through militaristic means, the higher the levels of insecurity the, pop the population will face. So there are three main perspectives that we can find through the scholarly work. The first one is that the main security reference to the state should not be its own survival, but it should be the people. So how can we shift from traditional security concept to a human security concept where the state actually ensures the security of its people? Feminist theory see the importance of addressing the needs and the human relationships while realist theory and androcentric views of security tend to emphasize the 
the survival of institutions and organizations. Human security, in contrast to traditional security, seeks to protect the lives of people from critical menaces or from generalized menaces. It seeks to provide the means for human beings to live their lives to the fullest potential and to ensure that they do it in a safe way. With the conversations to human security, we find that the international system sees human security as a complementary field, as a complementary conversation to traditional security. It does not integrate the two, you know, the security of the state with the security of its people. No, it doesn't do that. So that's one of the main criticisms of this specific point. The second point that feminist theories and, and scholars do on international security is that all forms of human security and insecurity are based not only on androcentric views, but also on gender inequality manifestations. This can, of course, vary depending on social structure, practices, symbols that are promoting um, specific um, patterns of behavior, of belief systems, and such. So we cannot address human security without a gender lenses because there's power imbalance inherently connected to social structures and social forms of organization between people, tribes, communities, and nations. The third perspective is that we should start addressing security first through individuals then or, or, or a community rather than ensuring a state or an international system survival. In which sense or when did states became so powerful as structures, as, as institutions that we do everything and we live our lives seeking for that specific structure to continue even if it's creating or perpetuating or promoting violence against us. So it, it asks the question of in which moment did we shift the paradigm or we were taught the paradigm of our lives matter less as long as this as the state continues and and this is something very grave because if we go through nationalism or ideological point of views on different you know case studies from the USSR to Cambodia to to many other you know very marked case studies of how people live to sacrifice themselves for the state's survival, 
then we will find many answers and many other questions too. <laughs> so, in this regard, one of the criticisms that feminist scholars have is how are we prioritizing the experiences of men, the experiences of statesmen or experiences of states as masculine structures and how are we vulnerizing or keeping on the victim roles to women and girls and any other gender identities that do not fit this stereotype or the binary stereotype of men and women, stripping them of all power. Because in regards to human security, it's like whose lives are worth more, whose lives are more important than others and why. So it launches the question of how women and girls are experiencing human security and human insecurity different than men. And how people, regardless of their sex and gender, are subjected to power hierarchies and power inequalities that are exacerbating their insecurity. There's a study by Erin Baines. Um, she's one of the authors of the book, Gender Conflict and Peacekeeping. And she shares that there are three main uh, feminist uh, perspectives that we can apply to human security. The first is the impacts of armed conflict on women, gender relations and gender roles. The second is ways international humanitarian interventions and peacekeeping operations widen or diminish unequal power relations. And the third is the absence of women in a power decision or, or decision-making tables as a central key element to understand peace building. Why there's so much attention to the women, peace and security agenda? Why does it matter? Prior to the UN Security Council Resolution 1325, there was not an explicit co consideration to the needs and roles of women in international politics in the United Nations. It was created by the UN Security Council, which is a structure that through feminist lenses we can see is a very hegemonic masculinity one that had since its inception in 1945 the mandate to ensure peace and international security and to avoid um, promoting or, or provo uh, to avoid or save, in a sense, uh, future generations from the scourges of war. The UN Security Council is often seen as the beacon of hope of realpolitik, where the hierarchies of power and gender are ever more present. And that's something that we will um, explore deeper on the online workshop of July 24, July 14 and July 22nd. So when the resolution 1325 came to be in 2000, it brought to light the human security of women and girls. 
how they experience oppression, marginalization, and different needs than men in conflicts, armed conflicts, in disarmament um, efforts, in peace negotiations, and peace building and peace um, keeping efforts. However, we can see that this agenda, the Women, Peace and Security agenda at the United Nations was shed aside, though it included a gender perspective and a call to um, include a gender perspective mainstreamed throughout everything regarding this specific um, area, we could see that other topics of the UN Security Council did not apply gender mainstreaming or fail to do so. And feminist scholars believe that as many other peace scholars have very well um, shown that the Security Council with this agenda shifted the conversation from ending wars to making wars safer for women. Another main criticism to the Women, Peace and Security agenda is that it does not address sexual violence, which is one of the majority of topics of our five resolutions of this agenda as a menace to the security of women, but rather it frames sexual violence as a topic of state security. So it visibilizes and it ensures that sexual violence as a concept is a weapon of war, yes, but not seeking to end it for the sake of women, but for the sake or survival of the states. And that's something that's very worrying because it's like, why, why the state is taking over this specific notion? These are out of the many uh, criticisms that we can find to international security and feminisms. On July 14 and July 22nd, we will address them more in depth with PDFs, workbooks, recommended readings for you to um, engage in, in deeper understanding of what is going on and how is this system constructed through a gender lenses. Um, the invitation is to join if you're interested in learning more about your own country, learning more about what's happening in the international system, regardless of your sex and your regardless of your age. This is an important conversation to have more than ever. And I am willing to go the full route. I, this is the, the first online workshop that I'm going to host in English on this topic. I've done several um, courses and workshops and conferences in the Spanish language because I'm, that's my first language, my native one. But I felt like this should be addressed in English too. So whichever language you feel more comfortable, join us on July 14 and July 22nd. I am working my ass off to making this incredible uh, workshop 
a very transformative experience to understand the international system better through gender lenses. So the invitation is out. I will list below some of the interviews we already have um, shared on this podcast and some recommended readings on this specific topic. If you know anybody that will be interested, we look forward to your comments. I have also recorded an Instagram live on um, our Instagram at womenhood underscore IR in the English language. And I will be sharing a Spanish version on my Facebook page today. <laughs> so looking forward to reading your comments, your questions and learning more with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.